Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for, available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 127 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, April 12th, 2022. Today's guest is going to be Ben Berkram of Real America's Voice Television Network, and we're going to be talking about the big event that is coming up in Hot Springs, Arkansas, Wednesday evening, April 13th. But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashmanshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, I'm also running for governor of Arkansas in the Republican primary. If you would like to support that effort, the website is electdocwashburn.com. All right, without any further ado, let's bring up today's guest, Ben Burkwam. Am I saying that right, Ben? Uh, yes, sir. Ben Burkwam. Yes, sir. Fantastic. Fantastic. From the Real America's Voice Television Network. I tell you what, why don't you tell my listeners first about Real America's Voice, and then we'll find out a little bit about you and, and what all is going on in Hot Springs, Arkansas, tomorrow night. Well, first off, I agree with everything you said to start the show, and that's one of the reasons why I work for Real America's Voice. We are independent, privately owned, uh, filling the void of media that the big corporate propaganda media have left for the average American citizen who doesn't believe the propaganda and the lies that have been told to us for 40 years. You know, we're, we're tired of uh, having somebody pee on our leg and tell us it's raining. So it's, it, it's the same, it's the same thing. So we're, I'm a Christian conservative, odd family country patriot who loves this country and doesn't want to see it destroyed for my future generations. I have two kids of my own and I want them to grow up in the same country that I grew up in. And that's really what got me started in, this whole journey to expose and, and help save America. Uh, and that's, that's what the, uh, the mission for Real America's Voice is that, but also uh, getting the real voices. So we travel the country, we speak to the folks, and instead of having, you know, just uh, talking heads uh, tell you what you uh, need to think, we want to come out and see what you actually think so that we can report on that. And that's, I think that's a, kind of the, one of the major differences between us and and any other network out there right now. Fantastic. And um, for folks who, who may think Real America's Voice, I think I heard of that somewhere, The War Room, Steve Bannon, yeah. Raheem Kassam is on Real America's Voice. Um, so what, what time of day are you usually on Real America's Voice? Well, I'm, I'm all throughout the day. I am uh, the correspondent, national correspondent for the network, and so I travel the country and report on all of the different stories of interest. Uh, primarily, my focus is on the border, southern border. And so I report on Bannon show uh, usually a couple times a week, if not more. And I'm usually on the southern border. Right now, we're in the middle of the country doing our Save America Freedom Tour. But uh, next week, I'll be back on the border. And, and then I have a show, a new show that's just coming out on the network called Law, Law and Border. And that airs on Saturdays. We'll actually have a new episode coming out this Saturday as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. You know, you mentioned the propaganda, Ben, of all the other networks. And for a lot of us who were watching Fox News on election night, November 2020, and we were wondering why they were calling some states so early for Biden when hardly any votes were in and waiting for days for obvious states that Trump took. But not only that. When we knew by election night that the guy in charge of tabulating the votes for Fox News was a big liberal Democrat political activist, and we went to, to bed of that election night with Trump comfortably ahead and all the swing states and woke up the next morning and, wait a minute, what happened? And then a few days later, sat that Saturday, 
Fox News called it for for Biden before the the liberal networks did CNN and MSNBC, and we saw uh, one of Rupert Murdoch's daughters-in-law saying on Twitter that Saturday, "We did it." I think a lot of people at that point are like, "Okay, um, we got to find an alternative because uh, Fox News is doing us dirty here." Um, yep, and and. and yeah, I- those people still are not allowed to say that the election was stolen, even as more evidence keeps coming out all the time on the five swing states. I'm sorry. Let me let you get in here. Yeah, I was in Maricopa County uh, the election night, and I was there for the nine days afterwards following the audit or the the counting of the votes. And there's no question about it. uh, The election was stolen. There's no question about it from the evidence that I've seen. President Trump won Arizona. He won Georgia, he won Wisconsin, he won Pennsylvania, uh, and he probably won several others as well. But he, there's, there's a, a growing mountain of evidence of election fraud. The problem is you have the propaganda media who comes out and says there's no evidence. Uh, and if you have enough people saying that, they say, well, the, the, you know, all the cases have been thrown out, which isn't true. Uh, but many of them were thrown out. They just were never heard. They, the evidence was never examined. Right. But it was. It, well, I was there when Fox News called it for Arizona. I was in Arizona. Again, I was in Maricopa County at an election party, and the entire room got quiet, and everybody had the same look on their face, and everyone said the same thing. How the hell can they say that? And we're here. I was, I was doing uh, a, a exit polling all day in, in Phoenix and throughout Phoenix, and it was coming back three to one, President Trump. Uh, oh, yeah. When it came to voting in person, he crushed Joe Biden. Now, the, the the problem was the way they stole it, and there's a lot of different ways. You know, you can look at the machines and the work that Mike Lindell's doing and, and some of that. But to me, it was very simple. They they changed the election laws. They changed the, the vote by mail and the signature verification in all six of the, uh, in, the contested swing states yeah. to make it to where basically anything – could justify as a signature, and we went from a three percent rejection rate on average to under a one percent rejection rate. That alone changed the outcome of the election. So we allowed massive vote by mail fraud. That was the major thing that that changed the outcome of the election. On top of everything else, the dead people voting and the uh, Ill- illegal aliens voting and everything else. Uh, but there's no question about it, and that's why, because of what Fox did, that's why we're gaining market share and other networks like ours are gaining market share. People are sick of it. They're tired of it. They don't, and especially when it comes from a so-called conservative network, if that network isn't allowed to say what we all see with our own eyes or at least question, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to, to not, you know, cause there's a lot that I don't know. There, there's a lot of um, topics and information that I don't have the, the full uh, information on. And so uh, I, you know, I can't say I know for sure, but to even not even be able to question it, that's the problem when it comes to, COVID and, and China's role in that and using that to steal the elections uh, and the vaccines and vaccine damage and, and everything that comes along with that, to not even be able to question that. That's where I think the American people look at it and say, something's wrong here. But then to go beyond that and, and then start treading water for the Democrats, and, and really not even the Democrats, it's the godless, anti-American uh, Marxist communists that want to destroy this country. That's really what Fox has, has done. Uh, other than a couple hosts that they have on their network, like Tucker, I love Tucker. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm wondering how long he's going to be there. But um, other than that, I mean, it's it's really sad to see that. And but it's great for us. I mean, it's just it's an opportunity for real news to get out there and to fill the void. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, recently here, just in the past few days, we have the story of um, trying to remember who it was that that uh, did the investigation and got the cell phone pings of the people who were putting thousands of ballots in these um, uh, these basically uh, unwatched ballot boxes like mailboxes in Atlanta, and then they were going right back to places like Stacey Abrams' office and then taking st- thousands more ballots. Uh, that came out just a few days ago. I'm, I'm racking my brain yeah, trying Dinesh, to remember. Dinesh D'Souza's yeah. new movie, uh, Two thousand mules, right? Is, is yeah, that that is going to uncover. And actually, one of our hosts uh, on the network, uh, Heather Mullins, has been really heavily involved with that. Her my focus is on 
the border. Uh, her focus is on election fraud, and she's actually been involved in that that pro- that project. Uh, and it will. It's going to show massive, massive voter fraud uh, being used by Stacey Abrams and the Democrat machine. At, and it's the same. It's the same godless globalist leftist machine in each one of these states. They were they were smart. They only had to go to certain. Uh, districts, they, you know, they didn't need millions and millions of votes. They only needed, in certain districts, tens of thousands of votes, and that's what changed the outcome of the election, and that's what they did. Yeah, absolutely. So good people are, are rising up and trying to take this country back. Um, so in, in my race for governor of Arkansas, uh, before I got into the race, it was a fait accompli. Everybody just figured, well, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to be the next governor, because, you know, they got rid of all the other um, uh, candidates uh, for the nomination. And, you know, she was press secretary, White House press secretary of President Trump, so she's going to be uh, the next governor. And then a couple of months ago when she endorsed Senator John Bozeman for re-election and U.S. Representative French Hill, both of whom have ridiculed the idea that the election was stolen and said horrible things about President Trump, and she started getting hundreds of negative responses on her Facebook page. That's when my phone started ringing. Doc, you got to run for governor. And I said what I've always said. Uh, sorry, no, you got the wrong guy. I'm not cut out for that. I'm the guy that interviews these people. I'm, yeah. I'm never going to run yeah. for office. And then yeah, Jan- I, I say the same thing. Yeah, and then Jan Morgan, who is, um, pardon me. Sorry, I got all choked up there. Jan Morgan, <laughs> who out of Hot Springs, Arkansas, who is... Um, challenging Senator Bozen in Republican uh, senatorial primary, uh, challenging his re-election. When I told her no, she said, look, you don't understand what's going on here. We're about to lose our country. Good people like you need to stand up and run for office. You need to talk to your wife and pray about it. Well, you tell a Christian to talk to his wife and pray about something, what am I supposed to do, say no? Okay, Jan, all right, I'll talk to my wife and we'll pray about it. Next thing I know, I'm running for governor. Um and and we didn't just decide it, the, the two of us. I knew the proverb says uh, that there is abundance, there's wisdom in the abundance of counselors. So I sat down with uh, 10 or 11 people the next evening, and we kind of kicked it around. And they asked uh, the two questions I remember. One is, okay, since you got fired from your radio talk show job because you wouldn't take the vaccine, is this just a publicity stunt if you decide to run for governor to let people know where your podcast is? And I said, no, if I if I run, I'm in it to win it. The other question is, the other question I was presented at that meeting February 7th was, okay, what would your top priority be if you're going to run for governor? I said, to glorify God, because we're supposed to glorify God in everything we do. When I said that, Jan Morgan said, that's what I've been waiting to hear. At the end of two and a half hours, everybody was unanimous. Uh, we think you ought to do this. We hope you'll do this. And so then I announced the next evening, speaking to Saline County Republican Women's Club, what it meant to me that so many people were complaining on her Facebook page that Sarah wouldn't answer questions, she wouldn't talk about issues, what it meant that she had endorsed French Hill and Senator Bozeman, what it meant that when Governor Hutchinson endorsed her, she talked about what a great job he had been doing. And this guy, he, you know, you mentioned Tucker Carlson. This guy, Asa Hutchinson, recently vetoed a bill to outlaw sterilizing children, to outlaw chemical castration of children, went on Tucker Carlson and lied about it. So, you know, I don't know how you'd be from Arkansas and be that out of touch, think Asa Hutchinson has been doing a good job. So everywhere I go, my message is positively received, and we'll see what happens May 24th. Anyway, I didn't mean to... Get off on that tangent. Well, let, let me jump. Let me jump in on that because yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, or some do. We, uh, my wife and I, and our family just escaped California. We moved out to Arkansas. We actually live not too far from Hot Springs now. And congratulations. Uh, ago. Yeah, and so we left communism, and we actually moved into America. It, it, it was the oddest thing, you know, when you actually when people don't realize this. If you live in under the Stockholm syndrome of a of a leftist state, you don't realize how good America still is in certain places. But caveat to that is it is just as under attack. They are coming after Arkansas. The, the radical left is coming after Arkansas. Yeah. It's like they were, they were going after California 30 years ago. And if we're not careful, we're, we're, we're losing this entire country. We're, I mean, we were that close to it already. 
whether or not it falls before Arkansas falls, I, you know, that, I think that's probably more likely, but there is an attack on states like Arkansas. And you look at, you know, people like Asia and, and uh, to me, he's one of the biggest disappointments. You live in a red state. You could be an example of a hardcore staunch Christian conservative Republican who, who looks at the crybaby whining left and says, shut up, sit down. We're going to, we're not, we're not compromising with evil anymore. We're here to win. You guys have destroyed this country and we're not playing your games anymore. But instead they accept the premise. They, they, they don't want to offend anyone. They, they go down this road of not being called names. And what they do is they've given up our country and the left is not stopping. They are not slowing down. They are going to destroy this country if we don't, if we don't stop them. And, and it's people like Asia and, and the, the other rhino Republicans that are allowing them to do it. I, and I blame them more than I blame Democrats. I, you know, if you don't, if you're not a Christian, I don't expect you to act like a Christian. Right. But if you say that you are uh, and you don't, that's a bigger problem. I, I expect Democrats to stab me in the front. It's the people that stab me in the back that say they're on my side that I have a bigger problem with. And that's the battle that really, that's why it's so critical. These primaries are so critical that people get involved that we keep them out of office. And, and one of the things, Bozeman, you know, you, you look at that, um, all, everything, you know, whether it was uh, election fraud or the uh, Hutchinson pushing the, the vaccine and pushing uh, this, this COVID, the, all the COVID lies and everything else. It, the bigger problem that I have with all of them is when we talk about our representatives, I don't even think of them. I don't, I don't even, their names don't even come to mind because they're so weak. I want right now. We need warriors. We need people that stand up and and are fighting, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like President Trump, like people who aren't afraid to be called names. They're not afraid to 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 not be liked. They're not afraid uh, that that they may not be elected again. They are standing up on the principles that they believe in, no matter what. That's what we need. And anybody else, if I don't know your name, if you've been in politics for more than two cycles and I don't know your name, you need to get the hell out. Yeah, you're wasting people's time. Yeah, oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is one of a handful of people in the U.S. Congress that on a regular basis speaks up for and tries to advocate for the political prisoners. You know, sometimes um, they say that uh, the Biden administration is like Obama's third term, and, and, and that may be the case. Sometimes I wonder if it's like a Woodrow Wilson's third term, something that um, I learned in the eighth grade uh, in history class was that when Warren Harding ran for president in 1920, his, uh, his slogan was return to normalcy, but they didn't tell us what he meant by that. Years later, I read a book called Liberal Fascism by a guy named Jonah Goldberg, and I don't know what's happened to him the last few years, but it was a great book at the time. And what Warren Harding meant was, here I am, governor of Ohio, if you let me president, I will set free the 100,000 political prisoners that Wilson has in prison. And people are like, yeah, we can get behind that. But, you know, our history of this country in in so many instances is down the memory hole and people don't even know. So when Obama was president and people said he's the worst president ever, I'm like, maybe, but don't forget Wilson. Um, So we see history repeating itself with the uh, these January 6th folks. And, you know, what came out the other day um, in the courtroom in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where they found yep. the, uh, the, the defendants in the so-called kidnapping plot against Governor Whitmer not guilty because they said the FBI framed these people. Uh, you know, it was, it was a sting yep. with the setup. And then the guy who was in charge of the Detroit field office behind all of this, as soon as they announced the arrests, uh, in October 2020, with uh, early voting already started, he's given a, prom- a, pro- a promotion and put in charge of the Washington, D.C. field office just in time for the, the January 6th sting, the, the Fed op there at the, uh, at the Capitol. It's outrageous what's going on, and Fox this, News won't this, talk about it. This, so ju- you just laid out the coup against President Trump yeah. and really the coup against America. We had... What's, what's disgusting to me is that they'll come out and say that January 6th was an insurrection, but they ignore the fact that they committed a coup against our country. They committed insurrection for four years against President Trump. Yep. They hired BLM and Antifa, their henchmen, to go out and terrorize cities, burn them down, uh, and, and attack and murder people. 
And yet they have the nerve to come out and say that the people that they let into the Capitol on January 6th were insurrectionists. And now they have the right to hold them without, uh, without constitutional rights in, in really what I, I call it the Washington Guantanamo DC. It, it's basically, uh, they are political prisoners. It's, 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 it's unconstitutional, and the same people that are doing this, the same people that are pushing for the commission, and weasels like Adam Kinzinger and uh, Liz Cheney, but really, you know, you look at uh, Nancy Pelosi, they, they are the ones that need to be in prison. They allowed this to happen. The question we should be asking is, what did Nancy Pelosi know and when did she know it? Clearly, that was set up by the Democrats. I was there on January 6th. I never went in the Capitol, but I was there at the Ellipse covering the event. It was a beautiful day. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people out there, an amazing event to uncover the truth about the election fraud. And that is the reason why Nancy Pelosi didn't accept President Trump's offer of National Guard. That's the reason why the Capitol Police opened the doors and allowed people to come in. Uh, it was set up to stop the election fraud investigation, period. That was the only reason that that happened. And for people to, to not see that and to not even be able to talk about it, uh, and these, for these poor guys to still be stuck in prison. Now, some of them made mistakes. They went inside. They did stupid things. But none of them committed insurrection. I mean, I even have, I have a friend, uh, Coy Griffin, Cowboys for Trump, who was just found guilty of entering a restricted area for simply walking up the steps of the Capitol and praying for the event and then walking away. That is how insane this has gotten. Yet BLM and Antifa were, were given a pass. We let, they, let, they were allowed to destroy our country and steal an election, and yet somehow that's okay. These people need to be charged. They need to be put in prison, uh, and they need to be held accountable. And, and that, to kind of pivot back, if, if the things that you and I are just talking about for the last 30 minutes matter to you and you're listening to this, that is the entire purpose of our Save America Freedom Tour. We want to hear from the people of America and give you a voice to say what we all have been thinking, what we all have been seeing, that this is not okay. What they're doing is not okay, and America needs to know it. And that's why we're on this tour, going across America, giving America a voice, uh, letting them know our opinion. You know, I'm not a, I don't consider myself a uh, straight-line journalist. I'm not, uh, uh, I'm an opinion journalist. I'm a Christian conservative sure. opinion journalist, and I tell you my opinion. If you want to tell us yours, that's why we're doing this entire thing, is to give America their voice back. Absolutely. So tell everybody where we're going to be uh, Wednesday evening, April 13th. We're going to be at the uh, First Nazarene Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, it's at 3804 Central Avenue with Pastor Ken Carney uh, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Central Time, local time. We're asking everybody to get there. The doors open at 5 to be there by 530. It's going to be a live event. Uh, the first hour will be live. The second hour will be uh, recorded and then that will be played uh, on the weekends and we're going to have a, a, an awesome lineup you mentioned uh, uh, jan morgan we also the host of the show will be myself uh for those of you who know jeremy harold of live from america and uh, heather mullins obviously you, you uh doc washburn judge joseph wood senator alan clark and iverson jackson it's going to be a great lineup but again to me the most important thing is re-energizing the people, giving the people their voice back, coming to a place where you have a right to think and believe and say what you believe. We actually believe in the First Amendment. We believe in the Second Amendment. We believe in the Constitution. And, and we want to reaffirm all of those things uh, and, and, and get back to everything. We didn't even talk about education. We didn't talk about the destruction of the church in America. and the, the, you know, All of these things matter, but we really want the... the for people to be able to have an opportunity to hear from people like you, um, to be inspired, but then also to have their voice be heard and then take something away from it. So we're all pissed off. We're all upset at the direction of this country, but, but what do we do about it? Right. And that's really the key is, is how do we, how do you engage effectively to make a difference, to stop this country from being destroyed from within? Yeah. I mean, Jan Morgan, um, made the case to me that, you know, people have to run for office. You know, uh, we were about to nominate, uh, someone because she worked for Trump a few years ago who has actively fundraised in Indiana with her good friend Mike Pence. And people don't know that. You know, yeah. uh, there's a lot we need to yeah. get out. So anyway, uh, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the program today. It, it is an honor to speak with you. 
and really looking forward to being with you guys at First Church of the Nazarene. Again, uh, doors open at 5. Try to get there by 5.30 Wednesday evening, April 13th, First Church of the Nazarene in Hot Springs, uh, Arkansas. And, of course, Real America's Voice is is pretty much on all the major cable systems. So so you can find uh, Ben Berkwam on Real America's Voice. You can find Steve Bannon's uh, War Room with Raheem Kassam. They're, they're doing God's work every day. Uh, it's a great network, and I highly recommend everybody check you guys out. Thank you, sir. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. God bless you, Ben. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow evening. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. So there you have it. There you have it. That's the real deal, y'all. That's the real deal. So I hope that you'll join us wherever you listen to us. Look, if you're in uh, Little Rock, Saline County, Lono County, Faulkner County, come on down and see us. First Church of the Nazarene in Hot Springs, Arkansas, Wednesday evening, April 13th. Try to get there by 5 to get a good seat. Uh, I have spoken um, at that venue before. I was, uh, I hadn't been in Arkansas too long. This was back in um, April 2015. April 2015, I was uh, part of a, a panel. It was um, radio talk show host Dave Ellswick, radio talk show host Paul Harrell, and me. And one of the things I talked about was how the child welfare situation in Arkansas, DCFS, takes children away from parents who love them, who haven't done anything wrong. And the Stanley family of Hot Springs were there that day. And I tried to uh, plead their case to everyone there. But I didn't have any power to change anything. If I get elected governor, I will. If I get elected governor, child welfare agents will have to wear body cams will have to wear body cams when they're interacting with parents and children will have to give parents Miranda rights. I will order them to stop trying to get into people's homes without a warrant because the parents don't know their rights. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. All right. We are so thankful. We are so thankful for our, our advertisers who make it possible for us to do what we do every day. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guide you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, 
you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 503-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, now, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about something going on in Arkansas that you need to be aware of. So there's a news website called SWARK.today, Southwest Arkansas Today. And they dropped an article yesterday First Lady Hutchinson announces the National Shine Hope Campaign. Governor Hutchinson proclaims April 11th, 2022 as Children's Advocacy Center Day. So let's just look at this press release here. And this is from yesterday. At the Arkansas State Capitol earlier today, First Lady Susan Hutchinson announced a national initiative, the Shine Hope Campaign among first spouses, raising awareness for child abuse victims and survivors across our nation. Wait for it, because I got something for you on this. Many in the crowd wore blue in observation and reflection of child abuse awareness. Today, Arkansas, along with 14 other states, will participate by either lighting their governor's residence in blue, wearing blue, lighting a prominent state structure blue, visiting a local child advocacy center, issuing proclamations in support of April as Child Abuse Prevention Month, or promoting on social media with a tagline, hashtag Shine Hope. The participating states in the National Shine Hope campaign include Montana, Kentucky, New Jersey, Louisiana, Virginia, Delaware, Wisconsin, South Carolina, Texas, Oklahoma, Utah, Tennessee, North Dakota, and Mississippi. 
Oh, I thought Arkansas was one of them. These states have pledged to recognize child abuse and neglect as a serious problem affecting every segment of our communities during Child Abuse Awareness Month in April. And then they have the stats. Nearly 700,000 children are abused in the USA each year. There are an estimated 42 million survivors of child sexual abuse living in the U.S. today. 90% of child abuse victims know their abuser. About 1 in 10 children will be sexually abused before they turn 18. Children's advocacy centers nationwide serve more than 370,000 kids each year, helping them to recover from trauma caused by child abuse. Almost through here. On the evening of April 11th, as part of the Shine Hope campaign, Arkansas will light the governor's residence and state capitol in blue, shining hope for the child abuse victims and survivors. Child Advocacy Child Advocacy Center Day Proclamation. Hmm, that's not a sentence. Okay. Governor Asa Hutchinson also announced today the official proclamation of Children's Advocacy Center Day, April 11th, 2022. In 2021, over 11,000 children were seen at a Children's Advocacy Center in Arkansas for services to promote hope and healing in the aftermath of childhood trauma. I wonder how many of those children were seen at a Children's Advocacy Center after they were taken away from parents who didn't do anything wrong, which DCFS agents in the state of Arkansas do on a regular basis. And that doesn't bother Aza Hutchinson. And that doesn't bother his wife, Susan Hutchinson. Now remember, Kathleen Finnegan, investigator for Crimes Against Children Division of the Arkansas State Police, ordered Garland County deputies to call the sheriff on that fateful evening in January 2015 to take seven minor children away from the Christian homeschooling family, the Stanley family in Hot Springs, even though DCFS's doctor said, there's no abuse here, sorry, we'll let you guys go back to your regular life after being there for five hours. No, no, overruled by Kathleen Finnegan, Crimes Against Children Division investigator for Arkansas State Police who told the sheriff's deputies, Garland County, we have to take these children. I don't have the legal authority to overrule DCFS. Call Sheriff McCormick. They did. Sheriff McCormick said, okay, take the kids. And then a few months later, First Lady Susan Hutchinson of Arkansas goes to a fundraising luncheon at the Child Advocacy Center in Hot Springs and gives that same woman, Kathleen Finnegan, the Superhero of the Year Award. This is a joke. They're not concerned about child abuse. If they're concerned about child abuse, Governor Asa Hutchinson would not have vetoed the bill to make it against the law to chemically castrate children. Governor Hutchinson is the child abuser by vetoing that bill as are any any state legislators who voted to sustain his veto yeah we 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 can't just we can't just leave it with asa can we now thankfully an overwhelming number of state legislators voted to override Aza's veto. But not one Democrat. No, Aza stood with the Democrats and the Democrats stood with Asa. No, no, the party of abortion, they don't care about children. Absolutely not. So again, Again, I always want to remind you, because we we knew we knew the Democrats were going to vote with ASA against protecting children from being chemically castrated. We knew that. 
But the Republicans are supposed to be pro-life. For them to vote with Asa. For them to tell child victims of child abuse to kick rocks, it's inexcusable. Inexcusable. So I want to remind you, I want to remind you who those Republicans are. Representative Lee Johnson of Greenwood. Representative Craig Christensen of Bald Knob. Representative Spencer Hawks of Conway. Now, I'll say this. Craig Christensen has primary opponents in his battle to be reelected. He has primary opponents. Spencer Hawks himself is primarying a state senator, Mark Johnson. And I don't know. I don't know if uh, the other Republican in the House who voted with uh, Aza Lee Johnson, I don't know if he has a primary opponent or not. Had a long conversation with Craig Christensen recently. After an event, Republican event in um, Jacksonport, right next to Newport, Arkansas. And I found that I agreed with Representative Christensen on most of the issues that he brought up. But I could not agree with him on his decision to vote to sustain Aza Hutchinson's veto. What he told me was, look, if there had been a uh, a grandfather clause, in other words, a clause that said that people who were all, you know, little children, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, they were already in this transgender transition process would be allowed to complete it, then he would have voted for it. But he just thought it was wrong. He just thought it was wrong to um, to not allow that to go on through. And he thought it was unconstitutional. It wouldn't stand muster in the Arkansas State Supreme Court because he said you're discriminating against a class of people. And I begged to differ with Representative Christensen. I don't think that people with mental problems or little children who are the victims of Munchausen syndrome by proxy, you know, you got mom and dad divorced and mom always wanted a little girl and she's trying to talk her eight-year-old boy into thinking he's a little girl. That's not a class of people. That's child abuse. The same thing that Governor Hutchinson and his wife claim they're against, even as, with a wink and a nod, they turn their head and look the other way at this kind of child abuse. Now, in the state Senate, only Democrats voted against it. In the state Senate, only Democrats voted against the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act. And let me just remind you, it's a wonderful bill. It's a wonderful bill. But a bit of a misnomer because it was not just to save adolescents. Dr. Natalie Burr, pediatrician with Little Rock Pediatrics, was asked a question when she was testifying against the bill by Senator Bart Hester. Senator Hester asked Dr. Natalie Burr, is four years old too young to decide that you were assigned the wrong gender at birth? And she said, it's not too young to start the counseling process. 
Really? Because the anecdotes that I've read of people who regret having gone through this procedure as children was that the counseling usually only takes a few months. They they want to they want to get with it. And it's child abuse of the first order. And Governor Hutchinson endorses this kind of child abuse. As he lights the Capitol and the governor's mansion blue, saying that uh, he's trying to bring awareness to child abuse, trying to stop child abuse. No, no, my driver and I were driving back from Camden last night and saw the... uh, the Capitol lit up blue and wondering, you know, what, wonder what that's about. Wonder what that's about. So I just wanted to, to share that with you. I, uh, I guess I don't sound like a much of a politician. Even though I get elected governor, I'm not going to be a politician. I'm going to sp- try to speak the truth in love. And say the things that you're not supposed to say because it's impolite. A lot of times the truth is impolite. There, there, there's a, a verse in uh, Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. Have I now become your enemy for telling you the truth? I hope not. I hope not. Now, we got a story. It's an Arkansas story, but it's also a national story. Jack Phillips over the EpicTimes.com dropped this story yesterday. Juanita Broderick, a woman who accused former President Bill Clinton of sexual assault, was blocked from using Twitter over the weekend after making a post about a COVID-19 vaccine, according to the company. Broderick had amassed hundreds of thousands of followers on the social media website after she again made headlines in 2016 for criticizing the former president during the 2016 campaign between then-candidate Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Broderick endorsed Donald Trump, and Trump often retweeted Juanita Broderick in October 2016 with just weeks to go before the election. So Twitter told Fox News that they told Ms. Juanita Broderick, who had over a half million followers, that it locked her account for, quote, violating the policy on spreading misleading and potentially harmful information related to COVID-19, unquote. As of yesterday, her account, her account was still suspended. Well, let me check. Let me, let me, let me check. Um, and, and see if it still is suspended. Let's check. Yep. Still suspended. Anyway, back to the article. Twitter told her she needs to delete a post in order to regain access to her account. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Twitter also said, we understand that during times of crisis and instability, it's difficult to know what to do to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. Under this policy, we require the removal of content that may pose a risk to people's health, including content that goes directly against guidance from authoritative sources of global and local public health information. They like to lie a lot, by the way. They like to lie a lot. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, whose personal account was permanently suspended, Several months ago, accused Twitter of trying to suppress free speech. That's exactly what they're doing. Marjorie Taylor Greene wrote from her congressional account on Twitter, the biggest killer of freedom of speech. No wonder hardly anyone raises their hand at my town halls when I ask how many people have a Twitter account. People who think this platform is important need to get a life. What a waste. Juanita Broderick, a former nurse, accused Bill Clinton of sexually assaulting her in a hotel room in 1978 when he was then Attorney General of Arkansas after she made 
Her allegations public in 1999 amid a variety of publicized scandals. Clinton denied her allegations. Oh, I don't think he did. A spokesperson for Clinton said at the time, any allegation that the president assaulted Mrs. Broderick more than 20 years ago is absolutely false. Beyond that, we're not going to comment. So Clinton himself never denied her allegations. And think about it now. We're talking to Clintons here. And so they parsed words. Any allegation that the president assaulted Mrs. Broderick more than 20 years ago is absolutely false. Well, he wasn't the president when he assaulted her, was he? During the 2016 campaign, President Trump famously invited Juanita Broderick and fellow Clinton accusers Paula Jones and Kathleen Willey to a second debate with Hillary Clinton. Remember, last year, Twitter permanently banned Donald Trump's account following the January 6th Capitol breach incident, leading the former president to file a lawsuit against the company and other social media platforms for violating his freedom of speech. So, I reached out to um, Juanita Broderick yesterday morning to see if and when she uh, wants to come on my show and talk about it. And she's having a rough time, and I, I won't quote our texting back and forth because I didn't ask her if I could. Uh, but suffice it to say, it would be good for us to be praying for our, fr- for our friend, Juanita Broderick. She's a great American, and uh, and she needs our prayers. Okay? Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton... Make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, let me try to help you with some uh, health situations. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? How about back pain? How about acid reflux, hay fever, eczema, problems with your blood sugar? Okay, let's see if we can help you out here. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Do you tilt your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? Now, if you answered any of these questions, yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, my neck pain, my hay fever. Let me explain to you how this works because it is the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body the way God designed it to work. It can affect your circulatory system, your respiratory system, your reproductive system, yes, even your digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, hay fever, eczema, Problems with your blood sugar, even. If you're in central Arkansas, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center. 
501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. Or if you're outside central Arkansas, just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You. And you will be glad that you did. All right, all right, all right. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door no matter where you live. Anywhere in the continental United States of America. Of America. All right, today's tweet of the day. Today's tweet of the day is from Julie Kelly over in American Greatness. She says, in 2019, Christopher Ray, FBI director, claimed that white supremacist domestic extremism posed a great threat. He said this included domestic terrorists wanting to kidnap and assassinate elected officials. Three years later, the only ones responsible for such a plan worked for the FBI. So let's take a look at the article that she has embedded in this tweet. At amgreatness.com, it's called Questions Loom After Verdicts in Whitmer so-called kidnapping trial. She says it's impossible to overstate the significance of the verdicts handed down last week for four men charged with conspiring to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020 and use a weapon of mass destruction in the process, despite sworn testimony from several FBI experts and agents, including the primary FBI informant Dan Chappell, who was compensated at least $60,000 by the Bureau for his involvement, endless federal resources and favorable rulings by the judge to withhold evidence and testimony. A jury of 12 Americans rejected the government's case in cold fashion on Friday in the Grand Rapids, Michigan courtroom. The Justice Department did not win a single conviction. Two men walked free after 18 months in prison without bail. And two men remained behind bars as prosecutors prepared to retry them after a hung jury could not agree on their guilt. What the jury did agree on, however, is that the Federal Bureau of Investigation engaged in entrapment. Defense attorneys, with the consent of Chief District Court Judge Robert Jonker, argued that the FBI attempted to induce their clients into committing the alleged kidnapping crime. Joshua Blanchard, the lawyer representing Barry Croft, Jr., who was not acquitted last week, told jurors in his closing statement, When I look at what happened in this case, I'm ashamed of the behavior of the leading law enforcement agency in the United States. Another defense attorney, Christopher Gibbons, said it was unacceptable that the federal government framed the men under the guise of thwarting a domestic terror attack. He said they don't make terrorists so we can arrest them. That is, of course, precisely what the Justice Department FBI did, and it was not just about a few rogue agents. After all, key officials described the case as one of the largest domestic terrorism investigations in recent history. Undercover agents and informants operated out of multiple FBI field offices across the eastern half of the country. Sworn testimony during the trial and other court hearings confirmed that the plan had the blessing of higher-ups in Washington, D.C., One FBI agent told the jury that the use of drones, airplanes, and other surveillance tools used to collect evidence against the defendants required a multi-layer approval process at the top. Consider this exchange between Richard Trask, one of the lead FBI agents on the case who was later fired by the agency for assaulting his wife. He worked out of the Detroit field office. So here's the exchange between this Richard Trask guy, one of the lead FBI agents, out of the Detroit field office, and a defense attorney during an October 2020 hearing after the defendants were arrested. 
defense attorney says, now when this, since you had undercover agents involved in this case, I assume that there are additional steps that are taken to the FBI to approve an undercover operation, right? Agent Trask says that's correct. Defense attorney says it's not as if you can just declare that you're conducting an undercover operation on your own. You need supervisor approval at least, right? Agent Trask says correct. Defense attorney says, and then it probably even goes to a headquarters level, right? Agent Trask says that's correct. Defense attorney says an FBI headquarters would then meet with the Department of Justice and review the plan and the objectives, right? Agent Trask says that would be correct, yes. FBI agent Trask further testified he didn't know when the Justice Department signed off on the kidnapping caper or other related plots, such as a separate plan to kidnap and possibly kill Democrat Governor of Virginia Ralph Northam during the same time period. Trask may not know when the honchos at the Justice Department approved the operation But the American people deserve to find out who was responsible for the FBI's flagrant attempt. Not just to set up innocent men, but again, interfere in a presidential election. Any inquiry should begin with former Attorney General William Barr. On October 9th, 2020, the day after Governor Whitmer and presidential candidate Joe Biden lashed out at President Trump, blaming him for inciting the phony kidnapping scheme, Attorney General William Barr said through a spokeswoman that the defendant's conduct was abhorrent and he was totally supportive of the FBI's investigation. Attorney General William Barr's office also said he had not been briefed on the case until the week of the arrests. Now, that could be entirely true, but Republicans need to find out. And if it is true, who at the main office of the Justice Department knew about the sting operation? What about John Demers? the former chief of the National Security Division that aided in the investigation and subsequent prosecution. What role did Demers or any top official play in authorizing the deployment of costly equipment such as airplanes to coordinate the plot? And if they knew, why did they not inform Attorney General William Barr? Did Barr inform the president what was happening when he was finally briefed on the matter? Did anyone at the White House get a heads up prior to the very public arrests of the defendants? If not, why not? Surely Barr would have known the headlines would cause a political firestorm for President Trump at a tight presidential race. As Americans were already voting, was Trump given advance warning? Perhaps Bill Barr... Deserves the benefit of the doubt, but FBI Director Christopher Wray is entitled to no such consideration. In 2019, without any evidence, Christopher Wray's FBI declared white supremacist domestic extremism a top national security threat and specifically warned of assassination or kidnapping attempts against elected officials. Three years later, however, the only plan to kidnap and or assassinate a government leader has emerged from the FBI. The headlines nonetheless continue to bolster Christopher Wray's unsubstantiated claims. Or did Christopher Wray initiate the kidnapping caper in an act of revenge against Donald Trump, who threatened to fire him in the spring of 2020, the same time the FBI undertook the Governor Whitmer operation? When Trump told Barr in April 2020 he wanted to replace Christopher Wray, Bill Barr said he would resign in protest. Unfortunately, Trump yielded and didn't ask for Ray's resignation. The president repeatedly voiced his displeasure with Christopher Ray throughout 2020. Was this Christopher Ray's way to inflict severe political damage on Trump in the home stretch of the 2020 election? Chris Ray also needs to explain why he promoted the head of the FBI's Detroit field office, whose agents handled the main FBI informant and conducted the post-arrest investigation right after the arrests in the Governor Whitmer case were announced. Stephen D'Antuono took the helm of the FBI's Washington, D.C. field office in mid-October 2020, several weeks before the protests on Capitol Hill. Did D'Antuono take his entrapment handiwork from Michigan to the nation's capital to help fuel the alleged insurrection? How many of the same tactics in the Whitmer caper, 
infiltrating so-called militias with informants and undercover agents, creating encrypted group chats, plotting to, quote, storm the Capitol, unquote, suggesting the use of quick reaction forces were also applied to the four-hour disturbance on January 6, 2021, the U.S. Capitol. And last but not least, what did Governor Whitmer herself know? She made the most of the pretend plot against her, playing the role of the victim during a nonstop publicity tour before Election Day while accusing Trump of inciting domestic terrorists to abduct and assassinate her. But Governor Whitmer knew that the FBI, she knew what the FBI was up to. The FBI installed a pole camera and laser devices that generated 3D maps around her vacation cottage, the scene of the would-be crime, according to one FBI agent's testimony. This suggests Governor Whitmer was aware of what was happening. The question is whether she was an unwitting tool of the FBI or another deceitful player in the sinister plan to target Donald Trump. Citing reporting in American Greatness, Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee and Senator Ted Cruz on the Senate Judiciary Committee pledged to investigate the FBI-concocted Whitmer operation. Let's hope they finally fulfill that promise. Voters should demand nothing less. That's Julie Kelly. Article that dropped last night, American Greatness questions loom after verdicts in Whitmer so-called kidnapping trial. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I hope Republicans will do something with it. But given standard operating procedure among Republican establishment in the Congress, I'll believe it when I see it. Okay, I certainly hope you can join us. Uh, Real America's Voice is going to be with us Wednesday evening for the Arkansas Town Hall. First Church of Nazarene, doors open at 5.30. The TV show starts at 6. Also, this evening, this evening, I'm going to be at the uh, Miller County Candidate Meet and Greet and Chili Cook-Off at the Cross Ties event. Uh, Try to be there before 5. Going to be a lot of fun. I haven't campaigned yet in Texarkana, so it's going to be a lot of fun. That having been said, you've been listening to episode 127 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the 10th. Bam, that's the way it is. Tuesday, April 12th. 2022.